back episode number 69 of the New York Painters podcast in partnership with Inside the Rink. I'm your host, Jacob Berkowitz, and I'm alongside my co-host, Brennan Luca. And today we have on from Blue Shirts Breakaway, co-host Greg Kaplan. But first, just want to let you guys know to go to InsideTheRink.com slash ESPN to subscribe to ESPN Plus to watch games and more. And yeah, let's get to it. And we are back. Greg Kaplan from Blue Shirts Breakaway. How's it going? Good, man. Good. Good to be on. Finally glad we were able to uh, link up and find a time. Absolutely. We're really happy to have you here. I've uh, been a big fan of, of your pod for, for many, many years. Uh, you've regrettably made me a bigger Mets fan. Um, so <laughs> we'll see how that ends up going. Maybe better this year. But uh, I, I did want to ask you uh, some baseball stuff right off the hop here. Uh, uh, how do you feel about the World Baseball Classic? As I, I've, I've said this on our show and I'll say it. It's just it's not for me. Um, maybe it will become for me the more it happens, the more frequent it is the more exposure it gets. I'm happy it exists. And I say that again, knowing that the best reliever in baseball will not be pitching for the New York Mets this year because of an injury sustained during the world baseball classic. Um, but it, you know, it's similar to how I would feel about a world cup of hockey. It, it, the players want it. It makes them happier. It puts a little more money in their pocket, which means it makes life easier for other things that need to be discussed when it comes to collectively bargaining any kind of agreement between league and player and owner and player and all that jazz. So if, if the players want it, I will understand it. And I know it does numbers outside of the United States, which is what this tournament needs to do. Um, The tournament, your American baseball fan is going to watch baseball no matter what. So this tournament isn't for them. It's for the, the neutrals, the 50, 50 fans, who definitely watched a ton of the World Baseball Classic here in the United States. But more importantly, it's for your fans internationally, which are maybe not the lifeblood of the sport, but they are equally, if not more important to the promotion and publication of the game. So, yeah, I'll, I'll live with the injuries, um, but I, I'm not going to sit here and say that I watched even a, a, a pitch of the final. I, I do think I'm in the minority for that. I just, I don't know. I'm a Met fan. I I love baseball, but I am a New York Met fan and the New York Mets could not win the world baseball classic. I don't really care if team USA does. So my rooting interests were very minimal, but yeah, I'm, I'm fine with the tournament. I won't lie. It was a little bit of a rage bait question to hop to start off with. So I'm a little disappointed, but we'll go with that. That was a very, that was a very measured answer, very, you know, well thought out and everything else. Well, you should have, you should have asked me the night of the Edwin Diaz injury because the thought <laughs> would have been a lot different. So you already came to terms with is what you're saying. Yeah. I, well, I honestly, I, I gotta say, I didn't like what the narrative was within the 24 hours after it. It got really toxic in a way that like, I understand Everything is toxic these days. But the people that were coming out so against the World Baseball Classic and the existence thereof, I was just like, oh, yeah, no, I don't want to be in that crowd. All right, I'll, I'll live with this. That's fine. I'll be upset about this, but, you know, whatever, whatever. It, I'll be all right. The Mets have a good enough baseball team, and they added enough relievers where even if Edwin Diaz doesn't pitch this year, this team should still do a whole lot of winning. Um, and they have the assets out there to go get a guy – to help them in the bullpen if they absolutely need it, including a Diaz brother who I know for sure would want to come play in New York. So I am, uh, I'm at peace with it, but within the first 30 minutes, if you ask my thoughts in the world baseball classic, 
uh, I had blowtorch ready to go. Nice. Well, we'll have to be a little more timely next time that happens. Uh, oh, I hope God not, actually. Um, well, since you're a Mets fan, obviously you're a Rangers fan, too. There's a question I've, I've long wondered. Uh, you have your choice between a Mets World Series and a Rangers Stanley Cup this year. What are you choosing? Buddy, it's not even close. This we've People have asked this question on the podcast before, where if I could choose four Rangers Stanley Cup titles in a row or one Mets World Series title, it's the Mets every day. I'm not thinking about it twice. I would more See that? Every fandom in my life for a Met title. It's not even close. See, my follow-up question was, I assumed it was going to be a Mets World Series. I was going to be, how many cups do I need to add in order for you to, to be like, all right, fine, I'll take, the, I'll the take limit, 20 the years limit, of domination. The limit does not exist. If you, 10, go as high as 10. I will give up the next 10 Ranger Stanley Cups if it meant one Met title. That's it. Because I also okay. know, I've said this before, if the Mets win a title, I'm not living past the parade. Like, my life is over. I've <laughs> celebrated too hard. It's done. So, like, I don't care if I'm going to miss seven Ranger titles that I won't be alive to see anyway. So, I'm I'm good. Give me give me the Met title, and I, I will figure out the rest from there. That's okay, let me ask of... you this. Sorry, go. Or, uh... I, I, so, I'm, I'm curious, then. Okay, what if the Mets win the World Series this year? You somehow, by, uh, by the miracle of God alone, manage to survive. Would that change the equation then? Would there be a five to one Rangers uh, cup to well, one more World Series? Uh, that's a hypothetical. I don't know if I can answer because my mind doesn't grasp the idea of the Mets actually <laughs> winning a title. So, like the the premise of a question being like, "We'll say the Mets did win a title. What do you think then?" And I again, my only thought is, I don't think I will have one because I will not be alive. Like I, gotcha. I. It, 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 I wish I could say I was exaggerating, but it's going to be a level of exhilaration, thrill, and excitement if the Mets ever win a title in my lifetime where, like, life itself will no longer be enough for me, so I will not be on planet Earth. <laughs> oh, so let's say, though, like, there's the Mets win a World Series and the Rangers win the Stanley Cup, and then on top of that, you get to pick who wins the second one. Would that change it also, or no? I, I, I It's tough. I, I mean, again, the – the theory that I could get both these teams to win a title and then I'm worrying about who wins the next, um, I, that implies the Mets have won one. And again, like I, I can't get there. I, re- I want to answer this question in a fun way for you guys so you get a nice <laughs> good soundbite out of it. But I'm telling you, I, just like my brain will not allow me to comprehend the idea that, okay, the Mets have already won a title. What do you want now? And it's like, I, I, I don't know. This was what I wanted. I got it. I got the thing I wanted. I haven't ever put two thoughts together to think there would be a, a beyond to that point. So it, it, the way you're talking about it kind of reminds me of how I reacted when the Giants uh, won their second Super Bowl. I was, it was the first time I was in New York for them winning a Super Bowl. It was this, the, the last one against the Patriots. Uh, and I stayed out till five in the morning. All my friends had left at that point. They like had jobs they were going to the next day. I was just like, I got two hours of sleep and I ended up driving to work in the morning. I don't know how the hell I got there, but it was a wild, wild night. And I am, there's things I did that night. I'm lucky I'm still here. Uh, (laughs) so it, 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 that it's, it's eerily similar. The, the way you're talking about the Mets possibly winning to what I felt like that night. Yeah, I'll, let me let me put it. This, I'll put this. I'll put it in this terms because I thought about this quite a bit. Say the Rangers go on a big run this year and the Rangers win 
a Stanley Cup. From a fan perspective, absolutely will be elated and happy. But when you do the podcast, as long as Ryan and I have done the podcast, and we are on year, this is year eight of the show, where my fandom with the New York Rangers is a bit more of a business transaction. Like it, it is, it is to a certain extent, a job. It's a wonderful job. It's an easy job. I'm just having to talk about a hockey team that I follow and care about on a weekly basis, twice a week, sometimes three times a week, depending on what we're doing. But it is to a certain extent, a job. And I do think if the podcast were to ever end, like my relationship with the New York Rangers would be forever changed in a certain extent where like, I don't think I would watch games on a nightly basis. I just because like it would be closing the chapter of closing the book on a chapter of my life that has become something more than I ever expected it to be. Whereas with the Mets, it is pure fandom. Like that is, that is it. My only motivations for watching the Mets, following the Mets, caring about the Mets, thinking about the Mets comes from the perspective of fandom and I, the Rangers. I just, I don't have that relationship with them anymore. Now say, I mean, it, this is essentially a, it, the biggest joke on the show that we tell every week is it's a, it's a Rangers podcast. It's actually a New York Mets podcast. And while that's right. true, I think if it was actually a Met podcast, we were dealing with Met topics on a weekly basis. I think that would change my relationship with the Mets. And maybe I wouldn't be thinking about them in the way that I do. But I, that to me is, is, is the different paths that I've taken since the show has started, where the Rangers now, it's like, you know, to a certain extent, it's work. You're punching a clock. It's fun work. I'm sure you guys feel about feel about it the same way from time to time where yeah. there are days, weeks, you just don't want to do the podcast, but you know you have to. There are nights where maybe you want to go have plans and go do something, but you can't because there's something going on. And I just like, I, I, I view my fandoms with the Mets and the Rangers drastically differently because of the show. And it's not a bad thing for either, but the Mets is really the only team I'm allowed to be a out and out fan of where yeah. I can say whatever I want to say and not feel like I am making a public opinion about the mm. team that I am watching. Whereas with the Rangers, I know that if I say something, it might get picked up by someone and all of a sudden it's become something it's not supposed to be. Mm. Uh, you know, since let's switch over to the actual Rangers now. So the Texas the, Rangers. Uh, I'm yeah. Right. The, yeah. <laughs> I actually, so I, I actually lived in LA for like 10 years and I went into a bar at like, way too early in the morning to watch a game one time because the time difference and everything. And I asked them to put the Ranger game on and they put the Texas Ranger game on. And I was like, I was like, no, 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 no. I mean hockey. And so, yeah, that, I, that actually did happen to me once, but uh, what, you know, obviously with the Rangers talking about like defensemen and goalie, it's, it's very easy to like pinpoint it. Uh, obviously Shesterkin, and obviously, uh, is such a key part of this team going forward and the playoffs and their success and Fox for the defense. What forward do you think is the most important to the Rangers postseason success? Um, I, I've, I've always landed on Mika Zibanejad. And I, I think that's where I'll continue to land just because the Rangers have such great wing depth that if something happens to Panarin, yeah, it's going to hurt, but you have on the left side, Lafreniere and Kreider. Or if yeah. something happens to any of the right wingers at this point, Tarasenko, Kane, or Kako, something happens to one of them, no matter what happens on the wing, you're, you feel very confident that your top six is going to be 
filled with star caliber players. And more importantly, you feel confident in the three players occupying your fourth line that if you have to move any of them up and give them additional ice time, you don't feel like you're necessarily lowering the ceiling drastically in, in terms of the forward group. But if you take Mika Zibanejad out of this lineup, it's just you're asking Vincent Trocek to do something he wasn't brought in here to do. You're mm-hmm. putting expectations on Phil Heedle that, quite frankly, he might not be ready for. And then you're also forcing Barclay Goodrow into a role in the top nine in terms of center that you probably, as a fan, don't want him playing. And that's just making the lineup on a nightly basis. That doesn't say anything about the fact that nobody is better on a power play than Mika Zibanejad. You're drastically changing how both your power play units are going to look because you're losing that just versatile and lethal shot from the left-hand circle. And the Rangers, whether we, you know, whether the charts agree with it or not, the Rangers themselves are super comfortable with Mika Zibanejad, the penalty killer. So you're changing the look of your penalty kill units all at the same time. So to me, it's no question that it's Zibanejad just because the chain reaction that happens by taking him out of the lineup is you get worse on every unit the New York Rangers put out there. Whereas with the Wings, yes, I, the Rangers will not be a better team without Artemi Panarin, but I am confident that their wingers will do enough to fill that gap. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Yeah. Uh, speaking of player importance, obviously, regarding Lindgren, should they just put him on LTIR until the playoffs and not risk any injury? Because we know that he's a very important piece to that defensive core. It's easy for us to sit here and say yes. Um, but if Ryan Lindgren feels like he needs to get three games in before the playoffs in order to feel like he'll be able to play at his highest level, am I like what the, the purpose of him putting on LTIR on one hand, we're saying it, it takes the decision out of his hand where he won't be able to come back before the playoffs and that's fine. But like, is there a defenseman I'm dying to bring up from Hartford right now to fill the lineup? Not really in my eyes. Whoever it is is not going to play over Ben Harper and is not going to play over Ryan Lindgren when it comes to the playoffs anyway. So I don't need Zach Jones up here just to ride in the press box in case another injury happens. I'll just deal with that if another injury happens. Ben Harper's fine for the regular season for the position the Rangers are already in. It's a completely different conversation if we're talking playoffs, but I – No, I I think the the short answer is no. I don't think you need to put Lindgren on LTIR because you don't gain anything on a – like when the Rangers next take the ice on Tuesday, they will not be a better or more dynamic team with Lindgren on long-term injured reserve or not because it's the same 18 skaters that are going to skate. So if I'm not changing the makeup of my lineup, I don't think I need to put them on LTIR. And then it comes down to the fact that you know, what does Ryan Lindgren feel like he needs before the playoffs begin? If Lindgren feels like he wants to get a couple games under his belt before the playoffs start, I got to weigh that importance more than thinking he's just going to be fine and good to go come game one against New Jersey. You're right. The thing, the time to put him on LTIR would have been before the deadline if the injury happened prior, you know, obviously it happened before the deadline, but like, then you would have been able to add something. Like right now, I can't add anything. So the LTIR kind of doesn't really – you don't get to utilize the – utilize it in the same way that Tampa has utilized it in the past or other teams like that. So, But even yeah, – well, even Tampa, 
even Tampa, when they did it and they cheated, um, they were able to sign point and Sergeyev the contracts. They otherwise wouldn't be able to sign because they were able to bench Kucherov for an entire year. Good for yeah. them. Glad it worked. Fuck them. Um, sorry, I don't know if this is a no, uh, no. You're you're fine. Words. Okay, just no, no, no. You're all good. No, you're very, talk, very good. I, talk hey, shit I, balls. I, I am a I am a gentleman, <laughs> and I have to ask after I say. Um, yeah, at the same time, like it's easy for us to play the what if game, and oh, had the Rangers brought in McCabe or Gavrikov or any l- number of those not Chikrin level defensemen that were available at the deadline. Like if they were able to, I don't think Philly ever wanted to trade Sealer, but if they wanted to trade Nick Sealer, was that a possibility? Yeah, I guess. But at the same time, whoever the Rangers would have brought in at the deadline to serve as that extra, extra space still wouldn't be playing come full healthy playoff time. So like, I, I also understand Drury not wanting to give up, even if, the four of us think it's a minimal asset, like a second round pick or a third round pick. I get Drury not wanting to trade a second or a third for a player he knows he wouldn't want playing in the playoffs to begin with. Like it's it's a dangerous game where all four of us could agree that the Rangers maybe should have insulated themselves a little bit more, put Rillinger on long-term injured reserve before the deadline, create that open space, go out, get another piece. At the same time, What's the price like? What what's the cutoff in asset cost for acquiring a piece that you know, when fully healthy, you will not be able to play in a playoff game? So like it's that's 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 a hard tango. And if Jury felt like he couldn't thread that needle, I have to say I at least understand his thinking. Yeah, and obviously, like we're not doctors, we don't know exactly what Lindgren's injury is, so like we can never tell if it should he should be on LTIR or. It's just also last year, I guess. It's also a reminder that, what was it, the last game of the season he got injured? But wasn't it just like, I don't know, I think it was just a freak accident or something. But I you, mean, you see, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's hockey. It's a violent sport. Guys are going to get hurt, especially in the playoffs when everything's a little tighter to begin with anyway. Um, if Lindgren, I, I felt like the Rangers babied Lindgren as much as they possibly could, as much as a hockey organization could any player when before he came back. Um Shit, at this point, I don't even – was that the second Penguin game he came back? Capitals game? I don't even remember. it. We all know the game he came back, and then he picked up the other injury, finished the game, and he hasn't played since. Um, yeah. I, th- I thought the Rangers were being cautious getting him back into the lineup up to that point. Uh, it sure seemed like Lindgren felt like he was ready to go before then, and the Rangers were like, well, why don't you take a beat, and we'll talk about it then. He's tra- He traveled with the team – on the road trip. To me, that means that if the Rangers were in a playoff position, he'd probably be playing, whether he'd be playing at 100%, 80%, 70%, whether he'd be able to help the team like he normally does, what have you. Uh, him traveling makes me think that the Rangers are simply being super cautious this time around, and he won't be back in the lineup until they're convinced that he's beyond 100 percent healthy because they could have easily just sat him in new york told him to stay home receive treatment not skate with the team do all that him being with the team to me at least signals it's not as bad as we all fear it to be right um yeah so i guess uh going to the next question here is what do you think of the rangers possibly playing the devils in the first round 
Uh, I think devil fans will fucking love it. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I I've said this on our show and we got blowback. I just, I don't look at the devils the way the devils look at the Rangers. I just don't. I, it's not the nineties anymore. The devils have been good for a very long time, a long time. Every time the devils were good, the Rangers were not. And every time the Rangers were good, the devils were not with the exception of 2012. And at this point, 2012 was 11 fucking years ago. So like I got, if devil fans think it's a rivalry and think they're we're, we're their main squeeze, it's kind of like how I expect the Yankee fans to look at the Mets. Whereas Yankee fans, you got bigger <laughs> fish to fucking fry. Like, why do you care about the New York Mets? Now, yeah. I don't know all Yankee fans to feel that way, but that's how they should feel. And I, I to me, I just I have a blood feud with the city of Philadelphia, so no one's ever going to top the seven uh, the the Flyers in my eyes, just never. But even then, like I have more reasons to give a shit about the Islanders recently than I do the Devils. I have more reasons to I have a lot more reasons to give a shit about the Lightning. I have a lot more reasons to give a shit about the capitals like the devils what about the penguins i have a lot of reason i the penguins <laughs> honest to god hand to god the penguins are number two on my list like i I, I i'm sick of it i i am fucking tired of it and it has nothing to do with the players on the ice it is completely media and fan driven i am so fucking tired of pittsburgh you would think a team that has had so much winning in their past would just shut the fuck up occasionally like my god act like you've fucking been there before everything's a fucking third class crime in their eyes whatever anyway back to the devil oh yeah it's like also they're like under our shadow type thing right yeah no it's their little brother syndrome you've done so much winning and you're insecure about how new york feels about you what is it is this big ben related like what what is this about this this can't possibly be about hockey what what what's driving this pittsburgh is, is this because your baseball team stinks? Like, what's going on here? What is happening? Are you worried that people think Kenny Pickett's got small hands? Like, I, I'm, I'm curious. How did we get here with your insecurity and, and, and your and your woe-is-me attitude? I just don't understand it. Um, for, for a franchise that has literally shat golden nuggets with, with Yager and fucking uh, Lemieux, Crosby, not Sidney Sidney Crosby's going to fucking retire before making $10 million a year, and he's going to have multiple cups to his name. And you have the right to bitch and moan? Sirs? Ma'ams? What are we doing? It's ridiculous. Oh, it's so annoying. Anyway, the Devils, which is how we got here. Um, (laughs) I think it's it's an interesting matchup for the Rangers because, to me, the way I'm trained, most playoff series in my eyes boils down to who's the man between the pipes who's in goal because we, we we've seen it year after year after year hot goalies dominant goalies that's what not, drives every narrative every playoff storyline and i'll like i have igor shesterkin so i'm going to feel good no matter what but with the devils specifically vtek vanacek and mackenzie blackwood that ain't it ain't gonna do it for me and then it's it's it, it's one of two things. Yes, it is incredible. Like Jack Hughes, incredible talent, one of the stars of the game. Absolutely. Timo Meyer, similar. Jesper Bratt, similar. Dougie Hamilton, similar. But this is a team where either their lack of playoff experience will be a positive because they don't know any better and they get to just push and drive, like similar to the kid line last year in the playoffs, mm-hmm. right? Kako. Heedle, Lafreniere. You can make the argument that those guys didn't know 
the moment was supposed to be so big. And it's part of why they played so well, because they went into it naive and they used it to their advantage. But there are examples of that not going well for young players. So this is, you know, the Rangers had the benefit of still being a fairly veteran-led team. Zibanejad had been there before. Panarin had been there before. Kreider has been there before. Truba had been there before. Most of the kids on the Rangers team had someone of experience to fall back on. With the Devils, you know, their, their star power, Dougie Hamilton's been there before. John Marino's been there before. But then very quickly, it becomes like Eric Howla and, and Tomas Tatar as your veteran voices, as your guidance for guys who have been there before. And I just don't think it carries the same weight. That's not to say the Devils are going to be bad in the playoffs. It's not to say that they won't be able to handle the moment. I'm just saying where the Rangers kids had veteran leadership to lean on last year for their first year in the playoffs, the Devils necessarily don't. And they don't have a guy like Igor in goal to make some of those problems go away. Um, so it's it's going to be a fascinating series. It's a it's frankly not a great matchup for the Rangers. They struggle with teams who are aggressive on uh, aggressive on the forecheck and play fast in transition, which the Devils do. But again, the Rangers, while it was one year, they became two wins within winning the conference. And the Devils, this is going to be trial by fire. Some teams rise up to it. Some teams don't. So we're going to see what the Devils are made of. Yeah. It's also yeah, – oh. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, yeah, no, because I look at last year with Carolina when they played them in the second round and what the Rangers just did is like they clogged up the middle of the ice and say, hey, you can free skate all you want on the sides. Like Shesterkin saving that 10 out of 10 times. But with the Devils, it just seems that they have the skill um, – an ability to get past those players in those tough areas. Now they don't have the biggest players, but that's why I'd be a bit more concerned. Although I don't know exactly if they have the same structure, you know, as much as I like Svechnikov and Aho, neither of them are Jack Hughes. And I, I think if you were to pool, if you pulled the devils and the hurricanes rosters together and you said, okay, pick your 10 best. I think three of the first five picks are devils. And I think your number one pick is a devil. So at, at some point, you do have to be scared of the talent. And I think Jack Hughes is a guy that you deserve to go into there with some trepidation when thinking about playing, especially with what he has done against the Rangers and what he can do against the Rangers. Uh, it, I don't know. It's one of those weird matchups where last year when the Rangers got into the playoffs and they had the Penguins in the first round, I was confident they should win. And I was confident they would win. And I thought I'd view anything besides a win as a failure. With the Devils, I think the Rangers should win. I can't say I'm to the point of confidence in it. But I know that if the Rangers lose, it will be considered a huge disappointment. So it's like same stakes as last year. But if if I were to grade my confidence, I think I was like a 67 to 75% confident the Rangers would beat the Penguins last year whereas with the Devils I'm probably in that 55 to 60 range I'm fairly confident but I, I they make me uncomfortable enough where I'm not like I mean I just like feel similar quite honestly to when the Mets played the Padres last year I was confident the Mets should win that series but the Padres 
The Mets can't hit you, Darvish. I knew that was going to be a problem. And from there, the Mets would have had to win two in a row, which is really hard to do in the playoffs. So, like, similar is how I would say uh, about this series, where I think the, on paper the Rangers are the better team, and I think on paper the Rangers should win the series. But, like, if I had to put money on it, I would have put more money on beating the Penguins last year. Interesting. Well, baseball also has the uh, the dumbest playoff format in all sports, in my opinion, too, which is – Oh, help. I disagree. Have you seen – Have you seen the playoff format we're dealing with in the National Hockey League? But you're going you're, to you're defend playing 162 goddamn games and then not play a seven-game series? Yeah, I, I, I think that's fine. <laughs> no, I do. That's I insanity. Think, I, think, I, think, I, think, I think the hockey hockey structure is, is much much more insanity, whereas at least in baseball – uh, if anything, like the argument should not be extend, expanding the playoff series, you should be cutting down the regular season. Like yeah. you, it's almost like you're 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 making a correct argument, but on the wrong side of it. I I don't know. The, last year was the first year of this expanded playoff series with the three game format. I've always liked the five. I, I'll tell you this: if I got to take three games over a one game playoff, absolutely. I'm not saying it's perfect. I prefer five game wild card, seven game everything else, and then I think we're fine. But even then with baseball, like a seven-game series in baseball doesn't mean as much as a seven-game series in every other sport just because of pitching matchups for the most part. Like a seven-game series in every other sport, you're getting the same players on a nightly basis and it's about the same players performing. With baseball, so much comes down to how do you set up your starting pitchers and how far can your starting pitchers go that like I don't think a three-game series and a five-game series and a seven-game series has that much difference in it, quite frankly. I, it, it like imagine imagine if the Rangers weren't able to play Igor Shosturkin on a nightly basis and they'd have to start not just Yaro Halak but a third goalie as well and they'd have to pick it like they find their spots to start these guys and maximize the starts they get from certain players like I just well, base, that's why I think it's so interesting about a longer baseball series is because then it does bring in more of that longer strategy. It's not just like, all right, we're going to play the, the greatest hits for three games and fuck sure. Up. But I, my counterpoint is I think that's what makes the shorter series so much more interesting because like this was my whole thing with the Mets last year. You, they were going up against you Darvish in game one. I was in the minority that thought the Mets should have started Chris Bassett game one. You're going up against a pitcher that you can't hit. The, right. the historical evidence is there. The Mets suck against this guy. So you yep. already know that you will need to do something that your team has not been able to do. And these hitters in this lineup have not been able to do against this guy. So why am I wasting one of my good pitching bullets against you, Darvish? Why wouldn't I save my two very best starting pitchers for the non-Darvish games? But then if I do have a lead against the Padres in game one and I didn't start one of my top pitchers, do I use Max Scherzer in relief to make sure I win game one, knowing that I got Jacob DeGrom in game two and knowing that I won't have to really worry about there ever being a game four, because if something happens and DeGrom loses game two, it's do or die anyway. I think the shorter series in baseball actually creates more strategic thinking from managers than a longer series. Whereas in hockey, I, I think it's very different. I see your point. I, I would I would prefer if they cut down the regular season and then threw those games into playoffs. And I always feel like, well, you're going to make more money in the playoff games anyway, too, right? So I just don't understand it. But the points you make about the actual strategy make some sense, too. I can appreciate yeah, I that. Mean, and, and again, I think it should be five for the wild card, seven, everything else. But I will yeah. gladly take a three-game wild card over do-or-die one game 
That, oh, absolutely. Me, That's a huge improvement. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I also I also love that we managed to get a, a, a Mets playoff uh, hot take on this. That's uh, very on brand, but I'm glad we got it. Um, I, I, I got I got to brand the rec- I got to I got to keep the face of the show legitimate. You know what I mean? Absolutely. No, I appreciate it. Um, uh, shifting away a little bit from from Rangers and Mets. Um, what is the most annoying non-Rangers hockey take that you've heard recently or, or this year, or one that just really pisses you off? Ooh, man. Interesting. Um, just asking NHL players any question where I have to hear from these not smart guys who they consider the best at any one position to be. Like, if I have to hear one idiot say how they want Carey Price in her do or die hockey game. I, I think I will walk into traffic if it happens one more time. Um, but even that, like it doesn't piss me off. Ah, man, what brings me to a level of anger? Probably a lot of it, honestly, is just like how the NHL is never interested in marketing itself correctly. I, I, I think that's the one like the, any, outdoors or stadium series game they just fucking appeared they came out of fucking nowhere and those are things that like we should be at a point where it's beaten over our heads and we fucking get it and we don't care anymore about when the game is but for both of those i was like holy shit this is happening when yesterday and where is it and who is it involving and what is happening like it the lack of the, the NHL being its own worst enemy, I think I'm just so fucking tired of. And that's like to my that that's that's why I hate these playoff series so much. These playoff series are structured to placate to casual fans. And I get that to a certain extent. I do. I, I think the sport needs to placate more to casual fans than diehards like us, because we're gonna watch anyway, right? They have us hook, line, and sinker. They don't yeah. need to do anything. We show up, we spend money, we give them eyeballs, we do all this. That's great. But I just like the NHL not understanding why a one through eight playoff structure, the way every other league does it, is more beneficial to business blows my mind. It's just like you are guaranteeing one of the Bruins, the Lightning, and the Leafs not advancing past round one. One of those teams has to lose because they two of them will play each other. And that's just that's just bad business. Like, there's no other way to describe it. I, the four of us don't have to be pro-Toronto. We don't have to be pro-Boston. We don't have to be pro-Tampa Bay. But we all know that if those teams at least have a chance to meet each other in an Eastern Conference Finals, that's good business. Obviously, we would want the Rangers to be involved. But, like, the only way you get a Rangers-Bruins or Rangers-Lightning or Rangers-Leaf series as is an Eastern conference final, that's just bad business. You are minimizing the amount of money that you can generate from a playoff series by limiting the amount of matchups you could possibly have. So it's just like, it's nonsensical and illogical. And it, it, it really does drive me up a wall. One of the things that I've kind of said for years. And I mean, like, look, they're so reluctant to go back to one through eight. I think one through 16 would be absolute fucking pure joy for me, at least. I don't know. I, I think you, you'd get different matchups. Like you'd get possibly Connor McDavid playing an East coast team and Hey, maybe you could put Connor McDavid 
on before half the country goes to sleep. Um, I, I just, it, it, to me, the, the way you're right, the way that they go about everything is very anachronistic and they're, they're so uh, stuck in their ways. And he is, I mean, Batman is, is so stubborn when he gets an idea or he has like a pet project, i.e. the coyotes uh, that, you know, he has to, his way has to try and work no matter what. And it's just, it's, it's really frustrating because this this one through four or one through three, then the wild card shit. It really, I I can't think of a recent thing in my own head where it's like a playoff format that was changed and updated in my lifetime that has already run its course and is so bad. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I I as much as I love one through sixteen, that's another thing where it's like I know Gary Batman will never consider it, so I almost don't I don't give myself the time to get upset about it just because. Of like if one through eight is an impracticality in yeah. Gary Bettman's eyes, like forget about one through sixteen. But to your point, um, there is nothing, and I mean fucking nothing, that American hockey fans will ever care about less than the goddamn battle for Alberta. None of us give a shit. <laughs> Few of us can pinpoint Alberta on a map. Like the Flames. I was born series. there. <laughs> the Flames Oilers series was wonderful for a hockey fan and it was super entertaining for a hockey fan. But again, like you already have the hockey fans. So how do I get guys or girls or anybody to watch this sport and give a shit about it? And it's not having Connor McDavid, the sports best player play against another Canadian team in series games that start at nine 30 on the East coast in the United States of America. Like can't all of Canada will watch whatever fucking time those games are on again. Like that's another frustration with the NHL where the American market understands the need to placate your 50% casual sports fan, but Canada runs everything and everything needs to be tilted towards Canada when it comes to hockey. And that's great. Except when you remember that the United States population dwarfs that of Canada, like it, it's it, there are a lot more, there's a lot more money and a lot more eyeballs down here. So I'm not saying we have to just completely, you know, change the game, but make a playoff series where you can watch Connor McDavid play fucking someone else besides a Canadian hockey team. Like, just, it should not be this goddamn hard. And yet it's like pulling teeth with the National Hockey League. Couldn't and even more. if it's a big game, even if for some reason Connor McDavid plays at seven because it's an away game, there's another big game at seven. Like, it, there's just no... Logic yeah, behind I, it. Heaven, heaven forbid you ever introduce staggered starts to the National Hockey League. Oh God! Do you guys remember? Do you guys remember that day the NBA this year were like, we're going to have a game start at noon, and then we're just going to have games tip off every thirty minutes. So you're just going to be able to watch nonstop basketball all day long with our final game start tipping off at ten thirty. Have fun, enjoy. God bless you. The, the, the Gary Batman probably looked at that and was like, that's probably the dumbest idea I've ever heard of. You want them changing channels? Why would they ever change channels to find a game that they want? And it's like, oh, it doesn't, it does not have to be this hard. Or like why there are 27 games on a Thursday, but only two games on a Friday. Oh my God. Yeah. Two games on a Saturday last yesterday. I mean, granted it's the, it's the, it's the basketball March Madness. So that actually kind of doesn't, that, that does kind of make sense. Um, switching over to Gallant, how far do you think the Rangers have to go in the playoffs for him to keep it a show? Eastern Conference Finals for sure. Um, 
And then I think the Rangers minimally have to be competitive in the Eastern Conference final. Like if they get there and then the Bruins are like, thanks for playing. Here's a quick four game sweep. No games, by the way, were close. I, I, I think you could still expect to see some marching papers, but if the Rangers don't get out of round one, I don't care if it goes seven. I think there's a change. I, I, I have a hard time. It, it's, we already know the relationship is tenuous. Um, it's even harder to think of how in year one, you get to within two wins of a conference of a Stanley cup final. And then the next year, you're not even sniffing round two. Um, yeah, it's hard to make the argument that he should get a third year after that. If there's no tangible, it's it's not even that there has to be tangible progress. It's also that like you at least have to maintain. So I think, yeah, I, I think and an Eastern Conference Finals appear, appearance that is competitive and Gallant will get a thin ice year three. Um, and if the Rangers are handed walking papers quickly or even hard in round one, I, I think a coaching change is a realistic possibility. The reason why, you know, we had Neil Smith on like two, three weeks ago, and he kind of brought up the, like the job of a GM at the trade deadline is to take away every excuse that the coach could give you. And I yep. feel like Drury's taken away any excuse that Gallant could possibly have. Uh, I, I, you know, he's given him ample talent all over the ice. So I, I couldn't agree more with you. I, I think if, if, even if they do get to the Eastern Conference Finals, you're right. Like it could be, it still still could be out. Well, I mean, again, and an important thing to think about that Ryan and I have been pushing on a weekly basis um, that I don't know if people fully grasp yet. You will not see a better New York Ranger team than you will this year. Uh, you, I know. Oh, and that's yeah. that's not me. That's not me being extremely high on this team. It's not me trying to be hyperbolic. It, it, it's quite frankly. This was the year before any hard decisions were going to have to be made. You're already definitely not keeping at least one of Kane and Tarasenko. You can't keep them both. If you do keep them both, you're essentially kissing Hedl goodbye. And that's if yeah. you can afford Hedl in the first place. Oh, by the way, you also have to pay Alexi Lafreniere and Keandre Miller. With Miller being the only one, I think the Foros would say 1,000% will get paid. So – your best case scenario is you're losing one of Lafreniere and Heedle and one of Tarasenko and Kane. And yet the possibility exists. You lose all four. So like the, any way you slice it, you will not see a more talented, deeper, better constructed roster than the one the Rangers will put out this year in these playoffs. And if you're not going to take this roster deep, I don't know what you would expect Gerard Gallant to do with a less talented roster. So then I don't know why he would still be here. Yep. Right. Yeah. Um, so another, I know we were talking about what, you know, your the NHL opinion that gets you upset, but what Rangers opinion do you have that would cause the whole or majority of Rangers fans to be upset about? I, I think the bitching of Jacob Truba has gone too far. I do. Mm. I, I, I think I think we jumped a shark a while back and it's, it's to a point now where people stand on arguments that like are not Truba's or the Rangers fault. The one that pisses me off the most is always about his contract. And this isn't me coming on here saying he's underpaid. All I can say is when the Rangers signed him to be an $8 million defenseman, that was supposed to be the going rate for a second pair 
defenseman. That was not supposed to be the amount of money required to pay guys like Adam Fox and beyond. The Jacob Troop was signed a contract before a pandemic happened. And he signed a contract when the Rangers were under the impression that the salary cap would continuously go up by some $4 million every, every winter they, they, or summer. They did not think that for two years straight, the salary cap would be flat and that once the salary cap did start moving, it would only go up by a million at a time. They did not expect games to have to be canceled because of a virus. They did not expect a bubble playoff. Like, they, I, I, if you want to call Jacob Truba overpaid, you can do that. Great. But then you also have to at least understand that there are circumstances outside the New York Rangers' control that caused that contract to be overpaid. Oh, by the way, Chris Kreider also signed an extension right before a pandemic started where his contract is not supposed to be as expensive as it is. But because, again, the world stopped moving back in March 2020, all these things happened. And then from there, it, it I just if you want to criticize Jacob Truba's individual play, it, there are opportunities there to do it for sure. But you also then have to give credit to him allowing Keandre Miller to develop at the pace he's developing at. Keandre constantly praises playing with Truba, constantly praises getting the opportunity to have minutes with Truba, says Truba allows him to do things on the ice that make him most comfortable and allows him to take his games to a new level. So if you're going to keep praise on Keandre Miller, you have to at least understand that part of that development falls at the feet of Jacob Truba allowing him to do things. So I, I just, I get extremely annoyed, I, I think is the proper word, when people are just bitching left and right about Truba. Like, get the fuck over it. He's clearly playing a role of meaningful impact on this team. A team, by the way, that put the C on his chest. Not the coaching staff, not mm. Chris Drury, not James Dolan. Those were the guys in the locker room who said he was their leader and their captain, and that if anyone should have the letter, it's him. So if you've got a problem with Adam Fox thinking Jacob Truba is a leader, take it up with Adam Fox, man. I don't want to hear it anymore. Like, just get and it's easier for me to say this now for sure because I think Truba for the last month has been playing some of his best hockey as a New York Ranger. But yeah, this yeah. is a this is an opinion I had back in November as well, where I just think I think the people that are hard on Jacob Truba are just kind of outing themselves as losers, if I could be frank. Yeah, I mean the thing also is that I mean listen, he's had his struggles, but it was it was to the point in the beginning of the season where it was so bad you you had to think common sense wise, he's injured. He's banged up. There, there's something got to be going on. Um, and yeah, obviously Vince, I don't know about breadcrumbs. He kind of said it without saying exactly what it was. Uh, it, I, I think people have to understand that it was a different world. He's never going to live up to be 8 million, but doesn't mean he's going to be, you know, he's going to be a bad player. You're like both can uh, coexist that he could be a great player and he just doesn't live up to his contract, which, you know. Yeah. I, I but I also just like, I, I, I don't, I don't want to have to view these guys based on a number they are making like that to me is antiquated thinking in terms of sports. And the only sport we really think about this in is the national hockey league, because the cap is so damn restrictive. Like mm -hmm. I don't, how many of you know how much Evan Fournier is making on the Knicks? It's, it's like, Oh, uh, the it's, fucking, it's a lot. It's, it's a lot. lot. It's like 10 million probably. Cause it, like I the, think it's more like 17 Yeah, and he doesn't play insane. an ounce. Doesn't play a minute of basketball. But we don't care because you can do different things in the in the National Basketball Association that lets you work around the salary cap. I don't think – maybe Giants fans know what the dead cap number is on so many players, but I promise you that St. Louis uh, – the L.A. Ram fans weren't overly worried what Jalen Ramsey was making 
or what any of their defensive players were making when they were pushing for uh, the the Lombardi Trophy. And listen, I'll t- I'll be the first one to tell you, I don't give two shits what Darren Ruff is making. That that co- does not go into my thinking whether I judge Darren Ruff as a good baseball player or a bad baseball player. Only sport where we super fixate on salaries is the hockey, and it's because the cap is so restrictive. And it's gotten to a point where you are going to allow an opinion to be warped or even decided based on what a player, if, if he's making too much or too little in your eyes. And, and that, that's the, the the general your, not necessarily any of the yours here on this podcast. But yeah, yeah. I, I, I think Truba discourse to me, uh, my it, it's the one that just makes me shake my head the most. Gotcha. Yep. I can definitely see where we're coming from there. And he has got a lot of hate. Um, you know, we've kept you a little, actually a little longer than we intended to here. I just have two uh, very quick, fun questions to close it out here. Um, so I want to know, Mary fuck, kill the kid line, Kakohito Laffy. Who do you got? Ooh. Okay. Um, I think, I don't know how many of you guys are Patreon subscribers for the show and listen to our good hangs podcast. Um, it's very popular. We do it every year right before the season starts. We drafted the entire Ranger roster. We drafted 10 spots each. So we left three guys off in terms of these are guys we would not want to hang out with us on a night. And both of us left Phil Heedle off our lists in terms of good hangs. So legally speaking, I think I have to kill Phil still. Um, I think I married Kako just because if I had to guess – Oh, I don't know. Kako is on like the music festival circuit a lot. Maybe he is a bit freakier in bed. I don't know. You, you got to respect the, there's enough <laughs> Frenchie and Lafreniere that I think there are different things on the table in the bedroom than there are with Kako. So I'd say marry Kako, fuck Alexi, kill Phil, sadly. All right. You know, actually, I, I think I like Sophie's choice. Yeah, it's tough. I, I think I'm with you on the kill Phil, even though like I love him passionately. But I, th- I think I might marry Laffy. I think I just want that puppy dog energy around me all the time, you know. Whereas Kako's yeah. a little reserved, you know. I don't like know. he might I, be a little, I, he might be a dead bedroom. I feel like I gotta. I, I it would be too much French in the household if I had to marry Alexis Lafreniere. Like I, <laughs> I just wasn't a good enough French student to have that around me at all times. That's that's fair. All right, last question here: Who is your favorite personality on Rangers Twitter, and why isn't it Sam Stern? <laughs> I will not you'll not bait me into saying anything about Sam. I'll tell you that. He's a fellow <laughs> member of the tribe. He's a fellow member of the tribe. So legally speaking, I have to be pro Sam no matter what. Um favorite member, it's definitely not Ryan. I think you guys have given him way too much way too much fucking power. Uh Absolutely. Yeah, you guys got to find a late now. It's too fucking late now. You guys create a monster. I know every Monday it's me talking to him for an hour and a half, basically being like, someone needs to tell you you're stupid. And I will be (laughs) that someone. Um, uh, Oh, this is hard. I'll say, I'll say this. It is impossible to have a negative opinion of Bob Kawa. I don't think he's active enough to really be considered a true part of Ranger Twitter. Um, but Bob is the kindest, sweetest human being I have ever met. And it, that goes beyond just like the Ranger Twitter bubble. I will say it's probably Maddie Jack just because he's so goddamn chaotic. Um, but like oh, in, a, in a beautiful way. Like, I, I think, 
I think it's kind of it's kind of sweet how nuts he is. And I'm also sending him like 50. Oh, hello. Apparently I am drafting in a baseball draft now. Uh, he is also, I was getting like 500 different kind of kindness bracelets from me right now for something we did with one of the schools I work with. So I have to say Maddie Jack legally speaking. All right. Very good. Got it. Yeah. Uh, those evil pulls that he does. Uh, oh, they're, <laughs> they're, they're, they're menacing, menacing. Oh, it's yeah. And then, and then he does, I mean, people don't really see this much. He, there's this trend now, I think it started at the beginning of this year where you can like combine two players into one face and it's like, good God, like what have you created? Yeah. But he's now combining like six guys into one. Yeah. No, yeah. yeah. He, he's, he's, it's, it's gone out of control. Like I think, or I don't remember it was after the Florida game. There was just one who was like, oh gosh. Yeah. He's, he's another madman that's probably been given way too much power and needs to be stopped. But at least, at least I get some kind of joy out of it, I guess. Yeah. All right, Greg. Uh, yeah, we've kept you long enough. Uh, I know, obviously, uh, everyone knows uh, you Twitter on and all that, but just in case you want to punch it in or, you know, anything you're up to at all. Uh, no, just keep keep listening. Keep subscribing to Blue Shirts Breakaway. Um, Ryan and I need to have, like, a summit meeting either next week or the week after to really figure out what the hell we're doing for the playoffs. But a lot of playoff stuff coming up, either in in person or on playback. So it'll be a, it'll be a fun time. And um, yeah, just keep following, keep keep liking all that good stuff. Who do you guys think I should take first pick in this draft? I got either Soto, Vlad Guerrero Jr., Freddie Freeman, Mookie Betts. Freddie Freeman. I I I like I like Mookie. I know, but Freddie is like we're so bored by how great he is at this point. Yeah, it's very true. Uh, I'm gonna go Freddie. I'm gonna go Mookie. I'm gonna go Freddie. I'm gonna go Mookie. <laughs> all right gentlemen thank you for having me i uh i'm gonna i got 20 seconds to make this pick and it's gonna cause me great yep. consternation thank you bud appreciate it take care thanks see you boys see you.